0: Welcome to Foster Change, where we talk about all things life, child welfare, and parenting related. I'm here with Saray Marie, all the way down from Texas, and she is the Director of Operations at her family-run nonprofit, Children Matter.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, just jumping into it, like, what, what is the story behind Children Matter? Like, why did you guys want to get involved in the child welfare system?
1: Yeah, so it actually all started with um, my mom. Her name is Cynthia McGee. She is the uh, amazing leader of our organization. She was adopted herself and just um, has a great heart for um, foster and adopted kiddos. And so we were actually living in Georgia. She got um, involved in a nonprofit down there who does exactly what we do, and she um yeah, she loved it. She fell in love with it. She got on staff there part-time. And then we decided to move back home, back to Texas. And she was like, we've got to, to you know, bring this model to Texas because this is just so needed. And so she talked to the founders there in Georgia. And of course, they were 100% for it. They're amazing. And we opened our own model here in Texas. And that's kind of how it all began. And um, ever since, we've just been fighting for kiddos. And uh, it's been great. Yeah, awesome. So, what what exactly is it that you guys do? So, you help
0: kids, but what role do you guys kind of play in, in the child welfare system?
1: So, right now, um, the overall goal is to um, our. I guess I could start by saying our little slogan is protect, rebuild, empower. So, we want to protect the children in the system, uh, rebuild families. So, we fight really hard to rebuild the biological family when possible. Um, And then we want to empower all caregivers. So that's the biological caregivers and the um, foster placement caregivers, because they obviously, um, you know, them being empowered directly affects the children. And so that's kind of our little slogan. And so, yeah, so we basically, eventually we want to have multiple resources to where we are empowering um, the foster and uh, biological and as well as, um, Supporting the biological parents in the different services that they need. So the first service that we've started with is a visitation center, supervised visitation center. So the biological parents can come to our centers. We have two different locations right now. Um, so they can come to either one of those centers and get a visitation a super, or supervised visitation services. And then they also get parent coaching. So it's they a lot of them do parent uh, parenting classes. But what we offer is a lot more, and you know, it's one-on-one, they get their own coach, they come in, we have a curriculum they go through, and it's just, you know, one-on-one parent coaching and attention. And then it's great because it's hands-on learning as well, because in their visit, they get to, you know, put to practice some of the things that we're teaching them. So it's a really unique experience for sure.
0: Yeah. So do you guys actually supervise the visit or do you have like the caseworkers and therapists kind of come in and... And uh, do the supervision, and you
1: guys just kind of host them at your facility. Yeah, so we do the supervising ourselves right now, um, and then of course um, it takes a village. So anytime the caseworker or like a therapist, someone like that who weighs in on, um, you know, the case wants to come, we definitely have you know policies and procedures set up. But they can a hundred percent come. CASA workers. We also partner with CASA. I'm not sure in Florida what that would be if you guys have CASA. <laughs> We do, we do okay. <laughs> the guardian ad litem program
0: here, but it is still the cost of the court appointed special advocates, yeah. Right,
1: yeah, so, and they're amazing too. So we partner with them too. Um, so sometimes they'll come and observe uh, the visits as well. So yeah, anybody who's supporting families, supporting the case, we are, we let them come and observe when they would like to.
0: Yeah, and you guys also do special events, correct? So like, I saw you guys, I thought it was super cute. Um, you guys were posting about your father-daughter dances and different mm-hmm. events so the biological parents can kind of come and connect with their kids in a more fun um, and engaging way, um,
1: correct? Yeah, so, we, so technically though, I mean, sadly, the biological parents usually can't come to those. So that's one of those things that more so is for like the placement. Um, a lot of the placements where we're at are actually kinship placements. So they're with other members of their family most of the time. Um, so they will get sponsored yeah to come to those events and um, and really it's for the kids you know we're called children matter and just so for them to be able to come and experience like you said you know something fun and um, even if it's it's sadly not with their biological parent but still just for them to come and have that fun experience and that bonding moment with whoever their caregiver is at the moment it's still super important because they need to be you know feel secure and feel bonded to the person that they're currently living with as well so Absolutely. I think that's beautiful. I think it's really important. I think sometimes
0: we get so caught up on like case plan goals or, you know, too much like weighing one way or the other, like if Mm -hmm. whatever your preference is in in a particular case, but I think it's really important to just remember that like the kids are the ones that are in the messy middle of all of this. And so Um, when you're, when an organization like yours kind of steps in and says like above everything else, we're going to elevate the children and, and making sure that they're safe and loved and cared for, um, and that they're still able to have a good time and just be kids right at the end right. of it, yeah have a minute to just be a child and feel, um, you know, all the, all the pressure to process through some of the stuff that they're going through, kind of like remove for a little bit and just able to be a child. I think that that's, um, that that's kind of, kind of a good, a good thing. Oh, and I, I love that. Yeah. It was so, so, so fun. Um, so so like, like what role do you see yourself playing in the, in the lives of the children that come through your facility? Like what, like, so you're, so you have this story where your mom, you know, she's adopted and she kind of is connected to the child welfare system because of that and her story. Um, and she steps in to fill fill this need of, you know, visits don't normally happen in fun settings. Like I remember when we were fostering and we went to visit it, those visits were kind of stale environments right awkward it, yeah a little awkward i mean it yeah. was like basically an exam room mm-hmm. like a doctor exam room that you're putting like all of these children in with their parents and sometimes it works if the kids are older and they're just chatting that's one thing but yeah. when you have young kids and they're trying to like have fun and be engaging um i think that that's kind of difficult to do mm-hmm. um so I, I think it's awesome that you guys are like stepping up and like kind of creating a space for the parents to be able to engage and have fun with their children. Nice. Um, yeah. Um, so is that like basically the need that you're trying to fill for, for these kids or like, what role do you see yourselves playing, um, in the lives for yeah. these
1: No, a hundred percent. My, my mom always says, and i have just kind of rolled with it, but she's like, you know, the kids in this, situation or in these situations are like innocent bystanders, you know, I mean, and when you think of it that way, it's just kind of gut-wrenching because they have no say, no power, no control of what's happening. It wasn't their choices that put them in this situation. So 100% they're innocent bystanders and they um, are, you know, having to deal with this, you know, trauma that they did not themselves cause. So Again, that's why we named the organization Children Matter because they come first regardless. And, um, but yeah, so to answer your question, um, that's what we wanted to do. We didn't want them to have to have like a prison visit or like what you said, like a full examining room visit um, to come and see their biological parents. Because a lot of them, depending on the case too, like it's been, you know, weeks or even months sometimes since they've even seen their biological parents. So just to think about how, you know, nerve-wracking that has to be for them, or you know, or if they have a great connection with their biological parent, even that that still comes with emotions, you know. So just feeling the emotions that these kids are feeling and then, you know, coming to a place that they've never been before. I mean, it's just so much. I mean, I think of myself as an adult, like me experiencing that, I can't imagine, you know, so, so yeah, so one of the things we do as an organization is we create a home like setting. Um, so there's like a dinner table, couch, um, you know, little TV, we have, you know, games, and we um, we are currently in the process of actually getting a playground in our backyard that's like, you know, Vincent, of course, for security, things like that. But um, we're just, yeah, we're just trying to make it as comfortable for everybody as possible, but especially the kids, because then when they come, um, you know, they feel at home. And so many of them have actually said like, mommy, is this your house? Like, cause they really think that it's like, you know, their parents' house, but we love it when we get that feedback, because that's what we want. We want those kids to be able to come kick off their shoes and just enjoy that time as opposed to, um, you know, being fearful of it or, you know, anything else. Right. Yeah.
0: So what does a typical visit look like for you guys?
1: So the parents, we have the biological parents arrive early for their parent coaching, and that's also just a great kind of strategic way to make sure that they're going to come and show up for the child, um, and so we have them come a few minutes or like 15-20 minutes early. They have one-on-one time with their coach, and during that time is when we do, um, you know, like the curriculum or whatever, you know, everybody's at different You know phases, but that's usually when the curriculum happens. Or they'll share things with their coach that's happening right now, and just kind of talk things through with them and really mentally prepare for the visit. Um, and so then the kids will come. They have you know usually an hour to sometimes three hours, just depends on the case. Um, so they'll have their visit, and then once that's over, then the kiddos leave. And then the same type concept, we have about 15 minutes blocked at the end of the visit where um you know the parents get that one-on-one time again a lot of times it's emotional um so just kind of unpackaging everything and um just talking about okay so these were the goals for your visit today how do you feel like you did um we try to give like some practical advice sometimes too like little parenting um tips and tricks like that they can you know use hands-on like for instance, one time we used a timer like to teach a mom how to teach her kids how to share, you know, cause they just would fight and fight and fight the whole visit oh. and it just wasn't enjoyable for her or for them cause they were just like fight yeah. the whole time. So we taught her, you know, we went and got her like a little Dollar Tree, you know, timer and we just taught her like, okay, so this is how we're going to do this. Like you're going to give this child this amount of time when that yeah. timer's up, you teach them. Now it's time to share, you know? So little things like that. Um, so then we'll have them, you know, put it to practice right in front of us in the visit. And it's really cool to see, you know, like wow, people who nobody's ever taught them how to parent before, you know. So to right. give them those hands-on tools and then watch them use it and then watch them um watch it work, you know, <laughs> like right in front of us is just really a cool, cool experience. Yeah. What would but you yes, say? That's how it usually works.
0: Yeah. I, that sounds um, I love the idea of doing like one-on-one on the front end and also on the back end because I feel like um, I mean it's in my experience and talking with some of the other foster parents it seems like there's a lot less focus um, just in my endeavors and my encounters on the biological families yeah. and on strengthening them and rebuilding them there's a lot less resources in some ways for them mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that it's really cool that you're able to do like a one-on-one session on the front end and also on the back end and kind of wrap it all together in one, in, in kind of one session. In other words, so it's less appointments, less um, time right. they have to come from where they are to where where they, you guys from where they live or where they're staying to where you guys are. Right. Um, have you noticed that that's kind of a that that's helpful to have everything kind of all in all inclusive and in one visit? In that way, like the the parenting. Visiting with oh, the child, yeah. and also a little bit of counseling, like all kind of in one.
1: A hundred percent, and that's why eventually our goal is, and obviously we can't do everything. Like that's that's not the goal. So, but our goal is to try to like partner with, um, you know, maybe some people who who offer different services that we don't offer, um, and kind of have like a one stop shop because yeah, it's so like transportation with these biological parents is like a huge, huge, huge thing. Yeah. Um, So yeah, if they had one place that they could go and get multiple services knocked out at one time, a hundred percent, that would be such a help for so many of them because so many of them are working um, so hard, you know, not all of them, but so many of them are really working so hard to get back on track and get their life where it needs to be to, you know, fight to have their kids back. And um, it's just, there's not a support system. There's really not, I will never forget. I saw Uh, this quote, I think it was on Instagram. I follow a lot of like foster, you know, which is how we found you guys. (laughs) We follow a lot of different, you know, foster uh, profiles and things like that. And um, it was a quote and it was a foster, like a former foster child. And she said, um, my mom wasn't inadequate. She was just unsupported. And that has just stuck with me and just really gives me so much motivation to keep doing what we're doing because it's just so true of so many of the parents, like there, it's not that they don't want to be good parents. It's not that they're not good parents. They just do not have a support system. You know, they've come, it's a gener- generational thing they've come from, you know, they were CPS kids themselves or, you know, whatever. And this is just, unfortunately, like they can't produce what they don't know, you know? And so just really trying to stay in their corner because there's not a lot of people in their corner. They're just kind of deemed like guilty, you know? Um, But yeah, so it's definitely hard sometimes because not all of them are easy to work with. (laughs) But that's definitely a huge goal for us is just to really focus on them and empower them. And yeah, as many services as we can offer eventually, like I said, that is something that we want to do or at least partner with people who can, like I said, just to make it as, as easy as possible for them to succeed.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I've, you know, in my experience too, there's, there's a lot of services available, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's not always as, as clean and straightforward as, as you would think. And I, I think you touched on something that is, uh, I think sometimes we forget, right. That, that it's a generational thing, that, that, right. that are generational curses that we're, we're breaking because, and, and in, there's a limited time that you have to operate in. And so being able to step into the life of a child and say, okay, while mom's figuring this out, we're going to step in and pour into you. Right. In this, in this time in your life, but also we're going to pour into you by empowering mom. Right. And, and we're going to try to see what we can figure out together. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that's, um, I, I love I loved that about um, your organization, and I and I and I love that you touched on that too because I think that it's important for people to remember, um, myself included, because sometimes it's easy to just be like it's you know, but when you're not raised to know better, it's hard to do better.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and so this is this is the moment and this is the time that we have to empower these parents by teaching them and correcting them and uh, you know showing them how, how
1: to do better and be better. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we had a mom uh, come through our uh, program, and I remember one day after her visit was over, she just sat and like cried, and it was like the most precious thing. And she said she told her coach, um like I just don't have words for how thankful I am for your program, um, because she said I was a CPS kid myself, and having to go through the visitation the way we did, that was like in you know a little office and. People were like watching behind, you know, a glass mirror or whatever, like it just felt very, you know, prison like, and she was like, it was a traumatic experience for me. So, you know, she's like, here I am, I found myself in the same position. And just knowing that my kids will never have to go through that because your program exists. She, and she just like cried and was like, thank you so much. Like, I just don't have words to say thank you. And again, that was just such an eye opening. It's like you have these little eye opening moments all throughout, <laughs> you know, like the journey of doing what you're doing. But that was another huge one for me because it's like, man, I just never would have thought of that. like it was almost like a, a, a subconscious, like self-fulfilling prophecy that she ended up exactly where her mom was, you know, not that long ago but thankfully because of our program like their situation and you know her kids don't have to go through the trauma that she went through because of it so so yeah it's it's hard to remember like you said <laughs> with everything going on and all the red tape and all the you know just all the real life things that are happening that are just not easy yeah. to look past sometimes it is hard to remember that there is something deeper going on here in a lot of cases. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's not lack of, in most cases, I would say it's not lack of love or desire to, to parent their children. They they right. love their children. They want to parent their children. It's just, um, there's a lot of obstacles that they have to overcome. And so being able to m- remove some of those roadblocks um, I and, and support them, like you were saying, I think that that's really important because for me, and I can only speak to myself and my experience um, in, in this particular way, my perspective was if if at the end of the day, these kids need to be adopted when, when they're, when they're placed in my home, if at the end of the day, the case becomes adoption and that ends up being what happened for me, I, I needed to know, I wanted to know that I know that I know that it was absolutely necessary. Like I didn't want it to be by, you know, uh, inadequacies in the system that I ended up adopting these children because the goal was not necessarily for me to adopt children. It was to just step into the life of children who are going through like a time and kind of be a warm, safe place for them uh, for as long as they should need, whether it was a week, a month, a day or forever, like it, that, that was kind of the mindset going into it. And when our case went to adoption, I mean, we knew that we knew because we had done what we could do to help, um, you know, and there's that balance of like crossing over to enabling, but that's a whole nother thing, but we, you know, treading that, treading that line, um, and just kind of making sure that it was absolutely necessary was was my perspective. But I think sometimes um, we look at the system and we don't necessarily calculate the roadblocks and think, okay, what can we do to remove them, and how can we set these parents up for success so that it's it's up to them. They're either going to do it or they're not. But it's not going to be, you know, because of the inadequacies of the system. Like we're going to step into that gap, we're going to fill this need, and we're going to like, you know, do what we can to empower
1: them. Um, yeah. And I think, by the way, I think your perspective is awesome. Like, I think we need more foster families who have that perspective because so many of them, I think, are like trying to sabotage the parents um, because they want to. And I get it. Like, It's so difficult because you form a bond with that child, like that child becomes one of your own, you know? So that's one of the emotional sacrifices that so many amazing foster parents, you know, choose to make when you sign up for foster care. So you know, I can't imagine that, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I so I just love your perspective as well. <laughs> Cause I think that's awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I've, I've met with some where, where you have to kind of walk away and be like, but, but isn't it nice if it works out? Like, and I think that's where it's for me, I have a great relationship with BioMom mom. And I think that that kind of helps a little bit because I, I have noticed in, in my kids that their identity becomes fragmented. Right. So they have part of their identity is still wrapped up in, in with bio mom mm-hmm. and it always will be as it should be. And, and then part of their identity is here. And so they become a little fragmented and helping them to reconcile, you know, who they are, who they were, what they're going to be, all of the things that make you who you are. Um, You know, it, it involves, it involves both of us. It involves me and bio mom. It involves my dad and their bio dads. And it's just, that's just what it is. And I, I've, experienced it with them. I've, I have walked through many conversations with them and they're young and they were young when they were removed. Mm -hmm. Um, but they still, you know, there's, there's a lot of really good books about childhood trauma, the body keeps score. And, you know, they remember visits and they ask questions and I'm always very honest with them as appropriate for their age. And um, I've just noted, I've seen that. And it's not just in my kids that I've seen it, I've seen it in other kids. And so I think it's it's important that we as foster parents remember to celebrate the good in the biological parents because that's Absolutely. where the kids came from. I, to fully accept your child, I feel like you have to, and your child, meaning your foster child, but then, you know, maybe it goes down to adoption, maybe it goes to reunification. but for the time that they're in your home, they're your child, right? But you still have to remember, and I think it's important and healthy to remember that while they're your child, they're also their child. And so it's Absolutely. important to always- you know, remember that that's not, it's not about you or that the biological parents to have that perspective. It's about the child and making sure that you're doing what you can do to help maintain the wholeness of the child's identity. And I think that that's kind of, um, what shifted for me was I I'll never forget, like, just, just being like, oh my gosh, like the first night my son was in my home was, but what about his mom? Like I'm here and All I'm <laughs> And I read him a story and I'm tucking him in and I'm laying on the floor in his bed because he's scared. And I'm, you know, I'm here with my other kids and like, it it just really hit me. I will never forget that feeling because when you sign up to foster that you have under, you have, you have an idea what you're getting into, like a thought, a theory, maybe you have some experience in the child welfare system. I did as a guardian ad litem, but when that child walks into your home and, and, and it's just you, your family, and this child, and you're looking at them. And my son asked me for a banana. And I was like, uh-huh, okay, a banana, I could do that. And I was like, wow, this is, it's real. And then, you know, it sounds so silly, but then it all just hit me and I'll never, I will never forget that. And so, yes, I knew it was important to, to always remember and respect um, and celebrate the good because there is good, there is good in her because there's good in him. Right. And, and, I, and I have to believe that and celebrate that because if I don't, if I speak ill of, of Biomom all the time or in front of them, then I mean, what message am I sending to them? Like, right. and as they get older. So I, I just think that it's important and healthy to, to, to check perspective a lot. Um, yeah. And so that was why I really connected. I, I think that being able to talk about um, building bridges between foster families and biological families where appropriate, I think is so important. Um, And I think that that starts by focusing on the child, because I think if you focus on the child, those bridges will naturally form.
1: Right. A hundred percent. I mean, because as an adult, you have emotions, right? Like you have like you're you're an adult, but we're all adulting. We're all winging it, you know. (laughs) So it's like we have feelings, too. And so it's going to be difficult. And even for us, like as a staff, which is why, you know, my mom always says, like, this is why we named it Children Matter, because when we get in tough situations, when we're feeling emotions one way or the other about the situation, we go back to the reason that we exist. And that is because children matter the most. They matter more than, not more, but they matter the most in the situation. What is the best for their wholeness, for their well-being as they grow up, for them to obviously their body and, you know, all of that, they're going to have that trauma there, but what can we do to, um, you know, prevent that as much as we possibly can, and then as they grow and develop, how can they walk into that healing and wholeness the best, you know, and, and everything that you just said, I wish I could, like, sound it from the mountaintops for <laughs> all of our foster placements because it's just so important. I mean, that Yeah, that is just the, that needs to be the core of why they all do what they do at the end of the day. It's for the kids. And you would, I'm sure you're not surprised because you're in the industry too, but it's just crazy how many of, you know, the caregivers will talk so negatively about the biological parent and think it's it's not somehow affecting the kids. It's like, okay, at the end of the day, that's my mom you're talking about, you know, (laughs) like, it's so so hurtful. I always tell foster moms and, and I'm, I'm not a perfect person and
0: I don't get this right every time, but it's important to find safe places to vent. Like you right. are frustrated. And I think that sometimes, sometimes as foster parents, um, you're walking through it and you're frustrated by the system, by a caseworker who's misrepresenting something, by the biological family who keeps disappointing the child, right? You're upset right. because you said you were gonna be there and you weren't. And now I'm here picking up the pieces because you didn't show up and I'm frustrated. And so it's easy to just like let it out, but um, it's important to find a safe place to vent because you're gonna need to vent because it is frustrating because you're dealing with people who, I know we've already talked about it, who don't necessarily know better. And you do, and and I'm not perfect. Sometimes I do things that I'm like, I probably, you know, I I said, I did, you know but at the end of the day, you you know you might know a little bit better than them on certain situations and and you get frustrated and you wanna just, you know, and and, yeah. Yeah. But I, but I do, I always say like, you just need to have a safe place to vent because you will need to vent. It is a frustrating thing 100%. because you are, you, are, you are walking into it and you just don't even know people like new foster parents. And I'm like, I thought I knew I had no idea. Like, yeah.
1: <laughs> like an age appropriate safe place to vent. Like a child is not that, you know, <laughs> no, correct. Like, you need to, like, this is why
0: yeah. like in our organization, we're all about, like, I think to, to improve the experience of the child, you have to Im- to use your word, you have to empower, you know, right. foster parents, adoptive parents, and biological parents. And I think part of empowering foster parents is giving them like safe place to, to be a safe place for people to vent, right? Is to connect foster parents with other foster parents um, so that you're able to then vent. Right.
1: right? have community. community.
0: Correct. I think it's establishing community because this is not a journey that you can do on your own, right? And I think that, that you know that in, in what you do in supporting biological parents, it's not to expect them to do this on their own and it's not you know and it's really hard to find like i would imagine a support group for parents who've been through this before because it's not something that you're going to want to like necessarily just discuss all the time with everybody right Um, it's very personal so i think that it's important for people um to be compassionate and to kind of step in and say all right what roadblocks can we remove for you and and how can we better empower you because while i do care about you i really actually just care about the kids more um and i think that allowing them to have the best experience Includes empowering you.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, giving every, um, doing everything, you know, to do before, you know, the, the talk of adoption comes up, I think is amazing too, because it sometimes I'm like, yes, please. These children need to be adopted and let's do it quick. You know, <laughs> like, and that's just. The yeah, way yeah. It. Some like, situations are just
0: not safe. And, right. and it's not from the jump. It, it, yeah, because Every case is extremely different Every and very unique yeah. and a very colorful world. And there's no black and white and and easy decisions made. But yes, I have experienced that too, where I'm like, this is, you know, as a guardian ad light and where you're you walk in, and you're like, this is a very, this should be very quick. And right, time, you're yeah. like, Hold on, wait a minute. Um, so it
1: is, it's, it's very different and very nuanced. Um, yeah, and I tell our staff I mean. all the time, every case is a unicorn. Like that's a hundred percent. Like okay. every case is so unique. So just like out of this world, it really is. Like you cannot approach, it's not a blanket thing. You can't approach every single case in one way. Like absolutely not. You can't, you can't approach it with the same perspective. You can't approach it with the same, you know, teaching techniques. I mean, you just can't, it's all so different. Everybody. The yeah. background of every single one is so different. And so, you know, that's just good to remember too. Like, you know, whether you're a foster parent or um, somebody like me who works with, you know, the biological parents, it's like you kind of have to like control alt delete and just refresh every single time you deal with somebody new because it's just not, yeah, you can't yeah. you group them all together. You just really- No,
0: can't. it's like
1: when you when you smell all the perfumes
0: and you have to like smell the coffee beans in between. Yeah. You have to be like, okay, <laughs> this one's going to smell a lot different. Like just hold on.
1: Yeah. You know,
0: a clean ballot. Um, so as we're wrapping up here, which I thank you so much for your time. Um, what would you say to any biological parent out there that's struggling, that feels unsupported, that feels unseen, unvalued, vilified? Um, what word of encouragement would you give to biological parents that are navigating the child welfare system?
1: Yeah, that's amazing. I would say, um, first and foremost, that we are just praying for you. We are in your corner. Um, There are people that do believe in you. um, And we know that you're in the fight of your life right now. And so we just, you know, just pray that you will find the community that you need. But that leads to my next point is I would say, get yourself in some community, you know, whether that's a church group, a family group, um, you know, if you happen to know people who have gone through this before, like, Just find yourself some positivity to surround yourself with um, because it is a fight. It's not easy. Every single biological parent that I have worked with, um, you know, admits to that. It's a fight and it's not a fair fight necessarily. And so you really have to do your part to mentally, um, emotionally, spiritually, just all of it. Prepare yourself for that fight. And so, yeah, getting community. um, If you're, you know, if you have therapy that you can have access to, you know, get that help go to rehab if you need to, just the things that you need to do, we just, even at our facility, we always highly, highly encourage, like we talk about self-care, you know, because it's so important that during this time, you're taking care of yourself, Um, you know, you're getting to the mental place where you can, you know, face everything that lies ahead, and, um, and so, yeah, I mean, just, you know, really taking care of yourself, yes, obviously, all you think about day and night, I'm sure, is your kiddos, and that's understandable, and it's natural, but just don't forget in all of that to take care of yourself because by doing that, you really are doing, um, you know, the best thing possible for your kids is to take care of yourself, get yourself right, continue to fight and, you know, just hope for the best that, you know, reunification is possible and it will happen for you. That's what I would have to say. (laughs) Yeah, that is a
0: perfect way to end this, um, on a, on a little message of hope. There is hope and, uh, we're standing with everybody that's involved in this, mostly the children. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So thank, thank you so much for your time. and. We, thank
1: you for having me.
0: Yeah. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share our podcast. And if you'd like more information on how you can get plugged in with our mission and our vision, as well as get support services, you can check us out on the web at fosterchange.com.